Hi, everyone. This is Joshua Hoffman, and welcome to another episode of the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast, where we deconstruct the why and how agency owners found their success, and in season two, discuss the future of marketing. Today, I have Tyler Weiss, the CEO of Scale Strategy, an e-commerce agency specialized in, in explosively scaling brands on Amazon. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks. Yeah, excited to be here. And so I want to jump right into it because I think you've actually done something that no other guest has done, uh, and that's becoming a CEO of your company within the first like two or three years of being hired, uh, and all before your thirty second birthday. Are you are you thirty two now? Uh, still thirty one. So I thought. Um, okay. yeah. uh, yeah. So I want to ask why the heck did the founders uh, trust you to run the company? You know, I guess uh, you know I must uh, be a pretty good manipulator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or 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 a pretty good schmoozer, one of the two. So, no, yeah, I think uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of things, and um, mostly just credit to my team. You know, we have we have a good good group here at, at Scale Strategy, and uh, you know, I'm we're we're located in a small uh, small town uh, here in northern Utah, and uh, just been really well connected for a number of years leading into this. So. Um, it's not like, uh, coming in with a, a fresh start, people kind of know your, your, uh, background and what you can or can't do, um, coming into to certain situations. So I think, I think that's been uh, a big part of where I'm at today. You're, you're too nice not to want to talk about yourself and, and throwing the team, uh, team first that obviously that's good, but I'm going to try to try to pin in things with you. <laughs> um, you also play D1 football at Utah state. Um, so I guess I just want to understand, is there like anything from that experience that you brought to the business? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's, um, whether I realize it now or not being, you know, a few years removed from, from athletics, I think, you know, that, that really is the foundation for, for me as a person, um, what drives me setting goals, um, exceeding expectations, doing, you know, that, that quote unquote last rep, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's everything it's, you know, as I talk with my team, I think I feel more like a, a coach than I do, uh, anything else, kind of that raw, raw, uh, locker room talk, so to speak. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely been everything good, uh, in my life. Um, you know, we all, we all have our, uh, experiences and upbringings and, you know, thankfully for me, I think I got you know, a, a large amount of, uh, experience and, uh, grit from my background in athletics. And it's been a really valuable thing for me thus far in my career, for sure. Do you, do you think athletes make good employees or leaders? Like, do you think there's almost a one-to-one there? Yeah. And, and, and I don't even think it just would, I guess, I don't really think it needs to just be in the form of athletics. I just love, um, I love seeing people that have done things um, above and beyond, you know, just getting up and, and walking through through life, whether that's athletics or, you know, we have one of our best brand growth strategists. She is a musician, right? She's like next level pianist. She went to school uh, here at Utah State and uh, pursued a music degree along with a, a business degree as well. And so you know, like, I just love seeing people that, you know, challenge themselves, have passion in life, have something that they want to accomplish or excel at or do well in. 
And uh, I think that for sure, you know, finding people that, you know, have a passion for something and can uh, set goals and, and meet achievements, regardless if that's athletics, you know, music, whatever it might be. Yeah, I, I definitely love, you know, finding those people that uh, have proven outside of a, a work environment that they can be successful and that they can be passionate about something. Any, uh, any music skills on your side? <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I joke a little bit, you know, I can't sing. I cut the strings on my guitar when I was little uh, so that I didn't have to practice anymore. <laughs> my mom's like, how did those strings break? I have no idea. And uh, that was, I think that was the last week of guitar lessons for me. Uh, my mom got the the point, but I regret that uh, all the time. I wish I, I wish I would have kept, kept going with it. Yeah. At the time, it wasn't cool, in my opinion. But um, my uh, my secret confession here, um, if we can keep it somewhat secret, is I'm I'm a sucker for musicals. So, you know, Newsies, Limas, like all those uh, those are those are kind of the givens. Hamilton, but uh, I think I can I can really appreciate someone that can sing or can you know do something musically because I'm not in that boat. <laughs> I'll, I'll share my secret on that too. I also enjoy musicals and plays. Uh, so we're, we're in the same boat there. Philly is actually a great city for all of that kind of stuff. And obviously New York being very close. Have you been to any shows in New York? Um, no, not yet. You got it. Uh, yeah. on, on the list for sure. It's so yeah. we've got a pretty good theater here in, in Utah, Hill theater that they do some, some pretty good work. And so been to a lot of shows there, obviously some here in the hometown and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got a lot more songs memorized from certain musicals than people would ever imagine. <laughs> when I when I can go word for word on the Wicked soundtrack, people people turn their heads a little bit. Like, didn't you play football? Like, what's going on here? So, I mean, Wicked was amazing. Uh, I I so I don't go that that level like my sister does. Um, but no, I get it. I I get it. It's good <laughs> too. It's like it's catchy. Um, I also, we're going totally off topic right now, but I also think it's an impressive medium of entertainment because, you know, every night can be potentially different. Sometimes they do kind of mess up and they have to kind of pretend that they're not messing up. So you really are kind of on your feet and and have to make changes game time, um, kind of thing. So that's really impressive. So I actually want to keep going backwards before we talk about the business. Uh, and you also founded a company called Rettleboard, uh, which was actually acquired. Um, so can you kind of just tell us a little bit more about that story and, and maybe how it prepared you to be a CEO? Yeah, absolutely. So um, going into the last season of me playing football, um, and by all means, you can look it up. I didn't have the most spectacular career, um, kind of working my way up the ranks and then got injured um, once I got to the collegiate level. But, you know, as I was going through this injury uh, to my back, um, realized that football wasn't in the cards um, anymore. And so you know, after three seasons, um, playing, I realized, all right, what's next, you know, and, uh, you know, there's some dark moments there as far as, you know, you've worked so far in your life to get to this point you have aspirations to do certain things and realizing that that's not going to be the case is, is always a hard pill to swallow. But, um, recently got married, uh, my wife wanted to get this, uh, wall decor piece and it was a felt letter board i think it was like 150 dollars, which i thought was absurd for that type of product so 
instead of spending $150 on that one product, figured out how to import, which is a process in and of itself. It was months and months and months of back and forth. And wow, that's not even close. All right, we're getting there, change this, that kind of thing. Anyways, instead of $150 for one product, ended up spending, you know, 20, 25 grand on importing a whole bunch um, here into the States. Uh, worked with one of my best friends. Um, he was actually a partner um, among, you know, some other partners, my dad being one and uh, another another partner um, that helped us with the sourcing piece. Um, and so, yeah, started up this little business my last uh, year in college. Um, you know, I, I think I had like $18 in my bank account uh, when I proposed to my wife after I you know, buying the ring, that kind of a thing. Uh, so anyways, went, went from, you know, basically nothing didn't obviously have a job while I was playing football. So just living on stipend checks. That was before, you know, colleges would pay you like a million dollars to come play football for them now. So missed, missed that boat, but nonetheless, uh, it, it, it was awesome. Like I was everything along with my partner, you know, sales, research and development, uh, import export, you know, building, building the, the sales channel, uh, getting everything live content work, the janitor, all, all that. And stuff. So, um, it was great. You know, we started landing, you know, deals from like Nordstrom, uh, we're talking with, you know, every big box retailer at, at these trade shows, we built a booth out of like, basically pallet boards that we smuggled into the trade show because we couldn't afford to pay like them to set it up for us. So we like smuggled stuff in and like set it up ourselves. And uh, anyways, yeah, ran that company for a couple of years, um, worked out a deal with one of our wholesale partners um, to actually acquire the business. And then we jumped on board with them. Uh, my, my former partner and still current, uh, great friend is now the CEO of that company no um, that, that acquired us. And so, yeah, it's been a great run. Uh, I think I just word vomited a bunch of, uh, no, that was, a bunch of things your way. So you can take, literally take whatever piece you want out of that. <laughs> I literally have another question out of that. I, I think that's amazing. And props to you guys. Um, what was the most complicated part of getting it started? Um, Man, the complicated part of getting it started, I would say, I think we were just so inexperienced with like sourcing. And so getting the product here the way we wanted it mm. with like language barriers mm. being involved was like, it was never ending and like so daunting for us. Um, and so once we got the product here, you know, we were very confident in our ability to be able to sell, you know, the product and um, market and, and do all those things. Right. And so like using social media, I mean, you know, our generation is just kind of grown up with that. And so, you know, that was the natural part. What was not natural was like trying to describe how to build this product and what specific pieces of this product needed to be exact and needed to be a certain way. Um, was was a little bit overwhelming so i think it took us like six months which is kind of embarrassing but you know i i, I think my advice for anyone you know trying to to start their own thing or you know develop product or they have an idea like um 
you should always go back. Like you should always be able to look back and be kind of embarrassed about round one. Right. And I think that that is a good thing. It's not like, you know, uh, the CEO of, of a, a company that I, I follow, um, Kuyu, it's a hunting company, but he, he's recently passed, but you know, he would always say like, you know, when I look back on future prod or former products that we've launched, like there's a sense of pride, but also there's this, um, embarrassment, like, oh, why did we do that? Like we could have done this, this, and this so much better. And I think, you know, if you're a newly aspiring, uh, founder or you have a small idea like just start you know like you can you can build things up over time and you can improve over time but just get started and look back and laugh at it and be like oh my gosh can you believe we started with that like look at how far we've come right i think people get so tripped up and it's got to be perfect and it's got to be you know we can't launch yet because this little detail you know, isn't, isn't right. And, and, and that's not to say you shouldn't be obsessed with every touch point of, of your product or service. Um, but you're always going to be, you know, a little bit embarrassed when you look back at where you started, I think. That's really funny you say that. I just had that thought this weekend. I, I watched like a Tarantino movie a week kind of thing. I'm, I'm just obsessed with his movies and I just watched Reservoir Dogs again. And I was wondering, I was like, I wonder what Tarantino thinks when he goes back and watches this movie, like how much he must cringe. At, I mean, it's still spectacular, but I wonder if he goes back and he cringes now because sure. of this movie. Um, and then real quick on the language barrier and kind of taking, you know, six months. I remember I had a class in sixth grade where the teacher said, you know, write instructions to, uh, to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And, you know, you as a sixth grader, you think, you know, take peanut, put peanut butter on bread, put uh, uh, jelly on bread. And she was like, no, no, it has to go all, you know, undo the jar and pick up the knife and and it's i think it's you don't realize that it really takes all of that especially when there's a language barrier um to make sure everything is, is gets straight and everything so um, yeah for sure to a good example. yeah and i think i think too they're like you know we we weren't the first ones with this product idea obviously but we were the second <laughs> and i think being second in today's world has a lot of advantages right like you know, we learned a lot from the company that we mimicked, right? And, uh, you know, I think I think that there's a lot of that that goes on, right? It's Sometimes it's about being first, but oftentimes it's about being better, right? Whether that's in quality, whether that's in branding, whether that's in price point, you know, I think, I think where we kind of found ourselves was we weren't necessarily the first, but we were an early adapter in, in this category. And so, you know, that presented challenges just because we couldn't go to like a manufacturer that was already doing that exact thing. We were early enough that we, we didn't fall into that type of product. And so, you know, when you think, you know, people like, Oh, I'm going to source a spatula. It's like, well, there's a billion companies or manufacturers that know how to build a spatula better than you do. And you can throw your branding on it and, your spin and it's, it's easy. Right. But like where we, I think a lot of the struggle, but also the success came from, you know, we were an early adapter into, you know, a category and, uh, you know, the challenges and the headwinds that, you know, we probably pioneered for a lot of people that ended up, you know, doing, doing, you know, the same thing for us and, 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 and made money in the category as well. But, you know, we went in and pioneered like, 
hey, overseas, this is the manufacturing infrastructure um, that they have, and this is what we need done, and this is kind of how we need to fit these pieces together in the puzzle to to get this across the finish line. And so, you know, there's there's give and take on on both sides there, and I think you know there's there's lessons to be learned all over the place. So. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times the first company actually has to spend a lot more money on education and marketing and getting the product out there where the second company and and obviously MySpace Facebook is like the easiest example. um, But a lot of times people will buy the second product because or the second, you know, uh, market leader because they actually assume that they're working harder, right? Like the first Mm -hmm. person is content. The second one's trying to get to that. So a lot of people will will buy that for that reason. Um, okay, cool. Now I want to get to the present finally. Uh, and can you just tell us a little bit more about scale? Yeah, absolutely. So we're a, we're a full service Amazon agency. Um, we specialize in, in, uh, you know, all things Amazon. So we really keep our blinders on, uh, you know, Walmart is kind of the up and coming marketplace. People have a lot of hype for it. We don't disagree with that. We think it's a great, great opportunity. Um, but we just feel like there's so much more and yet to be mastered on the Amazon platform and it's always changing. And so, you know, we've really tried to keep our blinders on in the sense that, hey, we can be, we can be uh, a, the premier Amazon agency that can tackle it all. Um, and a lot of agencies are kind of going away from that. Um, there's a lot of headache, as you can imagine, that, that, comes with uh, running a business on Amazon, you know, compliance issues, catalog issues, working with seller support is like the longest running joke of all time because there is no seller support. It's basically should be called seller neglect. And so, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just is what it is. And so, you know, where we really have our strengths is we have a team um, that's very, very capable to do all things for for anyone's Amazon business, whether they're a new launch with which most agencies totally avoid, we have SOPs to, to really optimize and, and make this a smooth process for both sides. Um, whether you're a direct consumer brand that's, you know, always been scared of Amazon, but didn't know where to start. Um, you know, we've launched three of these in the past six months. Um, each of them has done, you know, over a million dollars in sales within the first, well, one was $1.2 million in the first 30 days. The next one was 1.4 in the first 60 days. So, you know, we, we really have honed in our craft and uh, have seen some explosive growth for our clients as well as ourselves uh, as we Those are bonkers. And I want to, you mentioned blinders and, and that's kind of where I want to go to now. And, and we've spoke before and you kind of mentioned refining your agency and, and you mentioned spending a lot of time focusing on uh, profitability and being value packed and being focused. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we, we pride ourselves in being the right size agency. Um, we've really been meticulous with our SOPs. Um, in fact, all of last year was like, the year of SOPs for us. And so, you know, we, we want to be the right size agency because there's so many great brands that come to us and they say, Oh, I've been working with X agency, you know, like they've been the premier agency for years and they're so big and they're so cool and fancy. And they have so many people that work for them. And if 
that's great. But like our clients that are coming from these agencies are saying like, but they didn't care about us. Like we didn't get the time of day with them. And so, you know, I, I think it it's kind of similar to like what I went through in the recruiting process. And that is, you know, where are you going to be the right size fish in the right size pond? And that makes, that's a big, big deal. Right. And so like, if you're, you know, a brand that's doing, you know, a million dollars a month or $5 million a month, $10 million a month, like really understanding, like, well, what do you mean to the agency you're working with? And that's where we really try to come together and make sure that we're the right size fit for that client, knowing that, Hey, your revenue to us matters a ton. Your revenue that you pay or your whatever, you know, your contract to this large agency, like they, it does not matter one ounce to that person. Right. And so if they lose you and your contract, life goes on for them. For us, like we're hungry, we're motivated to make sure that every client we do say yes to is the right size fish in the right size pond. So we're, we're big enough that we can tackle any company, no matter what, any amount of ad spend, any amount of revenue that they're driving, um, we're projecting to drive. Um, but we're small enough that, you know, we, we have that hometown feel, right? Like you have our personal cell phone, you have, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a relationship that means a little bit more to us than it would to, you know, those, those monster agencies. So do you say no to any customers? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if we, if we can see from the, from the start that like, it's just not going to be the right fit for us or for that um, relationship, then yeah, we, we definitely do. uh, We do say no. Um, and, and that's a hard thing to do. Like I've been on the other side of that. And I think that's not to say that their company won't succeed. Um, we just don't want to put them in a position where it compromises the integrity that we want to have behind when we say yes. Um, we want our yes to mean something and to have, you know, that fervor behind it of not only yes, we want to work with you, but yes, we believe in your company uh, moving forward on the platform. And looking at the future, uh, where do you see the Amazon space going in the next five years? You can take that any direction you want. <laughs> Man, you know, I think, I think, you know, we've long seen Amazon as, uh, you know, as, as the marketplace that is, you know, cheap or imported, uh, brandless product that is just, you know, serving a need. Right. And I think that's definitely repositioning. Um, I think direct consumer brands need to pay attention and migrate towards Amazon. And there's ways now that Amazon has made this possible for direct consumer brands. Um, so I see, you know, Amazon at its core, it's, it's a search engine, right? It's a product search engine. And so, where I see, you know, Amazon already going and and continuing to go is, you know, they want they want name brands um, within you know the respective country that that you know the the marketplace is whether that's the UK, the US, like they want it to be a global experience, but with 
local companies that, you know, are driving traffic to Amazon and they're rewarding that with attribution. Um, I think gone are the days of, you know, knockoff imported, you know, widgets um, and, you know, the rise of the brands is, is kind of upon us now. And so that's a huge area of focus for us, right? Like, like I said, we're taking on direct consumer brands that are doing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars direct, you know, direct consumer and saying, Hey, jump into a, a, an engagement with us for, you know, six months or however long you want a year whatever it takes, but we can guarantee within the first three months, you're going to see X in sales and use us to get you up and off the ground. And, you know, let's, let's uh, teach your guys' team how to manage this sales velocity and manage this platform and, and do it on your own. If you want us to be in the background, you know, as a safety net, we're happy to do that, but mm-hmm. we've really seen a lot of success with these brands as we, you know, basically launch them on the Amazon platform and uh, take them from, you know, zero listings, $0 to millions of dollars in sales. So, yeah, I think, you know, obviously having some kind of omni-channel approach and, and getting out of your D2C site, Shopify or whatever it is, or just retail or something like that, I think is, is usually a good growth strategy. Um, a few questions I tend to ask at the end, if you had to teach something to other marketers, what would it be? Hmm. I think just authenticity, right? Like don't be someone or don't create a brand that you are not. Mm. Um, it's just hard to find passion behind what you're doing or, or be compelling when um, you're trying to be someone that you're not right. Like me coming on this podcast today is like totally outside of my comfort zone just because, you know, I, it's hard, right? Like it's hard to like, feel like, Oh, am I, being too braggy or like, am I saying things that are, you know, not authentic to who I am? And I, I told myself coming into this, like, well, no, you can be on a podcast. You just be yourself and, you know, speak the truth and and speak the facts. And so I think for any marketer, like whether that's like your, you know, for me, you know, a, a large part of the livelihood of my business and the business that I run is, you know, I need to be able to tell people the cool things that we're doing at scale strategy, right. And the brands that we're working with, you know, Gab wireless, they're awesome. They're changing the game for, uh, you know, devices and, uh, phones for kids and, you know, them being safe. And like, they've done a really good job of being who they are, right. They're, they have this stance and they have, you know, this, uh, this, this team behind them that believes in, in doing this for, for kids and the tech world that's, that's evolving and, you know, scary in so many ways. And so, you know, as a marketer for myself or as a marketer for a brand, like be authentic to who you are, like establish your values, establish, you know, what, what you're trying to accomplish and be, just be truly authentic to, to what, what those are. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, I came from the sales space. And what I always tell everyone is, you know, I have my ways and and that's all I can like share with, with anyone else is how I do it. But I always preface and I always make sure to that they understand like, this is me using my strengths. Like you should obviously understand your strengths and where I, you know, 
build rapport galore. Uh, maybe that's just not your strength. Maybe you're just not, you know, great at, at shooting the shit with someone. Um, so, so, you know, don't focus on that focus on like the value of the company and, and really talk about that. So I think it, even, even the way you approach something, um, should be really authentic because that's who you are rather than trying to be like even your mentor or something like that. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that's, really good. uh, are you guys looking to hire any positions right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, we have an operations role uh, currently open. Um, we want to have some good emphasis on like copyright ability. <clears throat> I know with AI and all that stuff, it seems like it's an obsolete uh, thing to be hiring for, but it definitely isn't. Like we like to have the human touch within our copy. The other roles um, that we're looking to hire for would be our brand growth strategist role. So. Um, whether that's entry level or, you know, an experienced brand strategist, um, that can run accounts and, and work with people. Um, we're looking for both of those. And last question, uh, any books or podcasts or newsletter recommendations? <laughs> yeah, one, that's a, that's a loaded question there. I'll it's go always, with podcast. No, it's going to be good when, when the <laughs> goes, right. When he's like, <laughs> um, I'll go with podcasts, uh, my cousin, um, he's actually in the solar sales industry up in Tri-Cities, and their uh, founder and CEO actually runs a podcast called The Founder. And uh, there's a lot of really, really good content in in that pod- podcast. His name's Chris Lee. Um, so shout out to Chris Lee and, and his podcast. They're, they're killing it. So, uh, And any, any books? Books? Um, I can give you man. a but I'd rather they're not. I rather see what comes yeah. out. They're so boring, right? Like my well, I should say books are not boring. My recommendation right now is going to be a boring one. Oh, potentially. It's called it's called traction. Um, it's basically what we focused everything on uh last year and and setting the stage for the growth that we're on uh this year. And so yeah, it's it's definitely a, a good read for for anybody that's you know trying to really establish a a healthy company, I should say, and uh, a well-organized company that has has traction and direction. I don't know if you brought that up last time we spoke or if someone literally in the last two episodes uh, also said the same book, but, uh, you know, advertising, the beauty of advertising is seeing it in two different places. And that's kind of when it, it like hits people and, and having it in two different podcasts. I mean, obviously that's something I have to check out now. Um, yeah. As we come up to the end of the episode, I just want to give you an opportunity to mention how people can find you and anything else you'd like to end with. Yeah. So, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, that's another thing, like I said, it's just trying to, trying to promote and and push on LinkedIn is just something that's not natural for me. And so, um, I'm I'm trying to push content that's helpful, uh, above everything. So yeah, LinkedIn is a great way, um, to connect with, with me or, or scale strategy. Um, you can also check out obviously scalestrategy.com. So Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And for those of you who have learned something new from this episode, please consider giving us a like or follow so we can continue getting the highest quality guests. And as always, thank you for listening, Tyler. I thought this was really informative. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks. Appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Thanks for listening to the Masters in Marketing Agency podcast. I hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. And before we go, I just want to thank our sponsors, DevNoodle. 
Devnoodle provides marketing agencies with the ability to offer their clients unlimited website design, build, and management services with fixed monthly plans. If website design, development, and maintenance is holding your agency back from growing, please reach out to us at devnoodle.com, where we make websites easy, easy for you and easy for your clients, devnoodle.com.